That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, here we are, episode 170 dose of Same Old Song. Here we are. This is the third time our listeners will be ascending into the pulpit, whether that's physically or virtually in this pandemic time in 2022, uh, second Sunday after the Epiphany for January 16th. But before we get into all that, como estas, Jake? What's going on with you? I'm doing really, really well. So, uh, I, you know what I started one of my New Year's resolutions, although it's already fallen off the wagon, but nonetheless, I wanted I want to read more. And uh, I mean, I read a lot as it is, but uh, you know, I wanted to read totally. a lot more. And so I've been actually reading uh, Stephen Paulson's... Go to the Babysitter's Club? What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Judy Bloom. A lot more Judy Bloom. <laughs> but uh, um, I've been reading Stephen Paulson's Outlaw God. And uh, I'm in volume one, and it is so good. And uh, if you want some uh, deep cut, gospel cut, uh, find yourself uh, uh, Stephen Paulson's Outlaw God, volume one. Are you trying to, trying to be like Mark Driscoll and read a book a day? Uh, I already do that. <laughs> I'm upping it to two for 2022. (laughs) No, no, but I just, you know, I thought I'd dig into that. And uh, I've got a year to finish them. So that's good. There we are. I'm Uh, reading the Guido Brunetti mystery series, this Venetian detective. uh, It's it's kind of, it started in the the 90s. Mm. I'm late to the party, but. Any good, uh, any good shows? You're watching? Ooh. Good movies? Uh, my dad just told me to watch Longmire, so that's not going to be happening. But <laughs> we uh, we just start, maybe, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see, Dad. Uh, we were watching Lost in Space, uh, which we enjoy as a family. Uh, and um, Andrea and I are, are going through The Morning Show with Ooh. Jennifer mm-hmm. Aniston and Steve Carell. Real dark. And... Uh, yeah, but sort of fascinating. Yeah. Uh, there's this great quote. Uh, oh, man, what was it? The the guy who's like the the, the VP of yeah. news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, she's talking about whether she wants to do this thing because she gets disappointed a lot. Yeah. He's uh, like, people. humans are disappointing. It, yeah. He's it's like, good. Uh, yeah. Anyways, it's pretty. I recommend yeah. that show. It's got a, it's got a, it's got a proper theological view of anthropology for sure. Yeah, he said. Here I found it. I wrote it down. It was so good. Human nature. It's surprisingly universal, and it's universally disappointing. Yeah. Boom. Low anthropology, baby. Yeah. Take that for your book, David Zoll. Mm. Mm. Really good. Coming fall, 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, so that's kind of what's going on. Uh, as we're recording, my wife has the COVID. She's recovering. So as she's uh, isolating in our bedroom and I'm sleeping on the couch. We're not watching much of anything together these days, but mm. hopefully soon we will be. Prayers ascending. But enough of that. What? Go ahead. Prayers ascending. Yeah, thanks, man. Oh, we should note that there's some Mockingbird conferences coming up in 2022. Praise the Lord. Uh, there's uh, one going to be in Oklahoma pretty soon here. And then uh, 
of course, at Calvary St. George's in New York City, if you want to mm-hmm. meet the Reverend Jacob Smith in person and mm-hmm. me in April. And then there's a conference coming up this time. The Tyler Conference is going to be in October. So, anyways, ember.com, check it out. And uh, that's what we've got. And maybe, maybe they'll let us do a live recording of the podcast. Uh, I'm planning on it. I'm planning on it. So, uh, okay. and that is, um, I believe that is, um, is that the t- um, I believe it's the 28th, 29th, and 30th of April. So go to yeah, the page for all Yeah, the Mockingbird Conference, the New York Conference. Yeah. Don't want to miss right. it. So come get Omicron. So anyway. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> get whatever Greek letter variant we're on by April. Yeah. Well, today come catch is... Omega. Uh, we're getting ready for the uh, second Sunday after the Epiphany, and uh, what a revelation we get this week. Our readings are Isaiah 62, verses 1 through 5, then we have 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, and John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And so uh, we dig in and we begin with Isaiah chapter 62, uh, verses 1 through 5, and it's important to note <clears throat> that as we begin to read this is that this is, um, this is a um, triumphant moment for uh, Israel because they have come out of uh, exile. Uh, Cyrus of Persia has uh, released uh, the, um, has released the, um, the, cap- the, the Jewish captives. The and oh. uh, yeah, No, that would be next week. But uh, <laughs> releases the Jewish captives and they return home and they realize that, um, well, things are pretty crappy. But nevertheless, they are given a word. And uh, this word... Um, actually is set in the context of 61, 62, and 63, which there's a lot of hopeful references here. This actually in 61 is where Jesus reads in the synagogue, and he says, you know, the, 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 the deaf hear, the blind see, uh, the, the, the lame walk, and the prisoners have good news preached to them. And he says, and this reading is fulfilled in your hearing. So all of this, as we begin to read, finds its ultimate fulfillment in uh, Jesus and you in Jesus. Mm. That's right, and and by the way, uh, listener, the the Sunday that you're preaching the, these texts is the Sunday before Martin Luther King Day. Mm-hmm. So if you want to include that collect, even though his feast day is in April, which if you've listened to Pride in the Name of Love by you too, you know that Martin Luther King was shot on early morning April fourth. A shot rings out in the Memphis sky. So if, um, but you can take his collect from April and use it on this Sunday if you like uh, to acknowledge that since most people will be thinking about MLK on this weekend. But here's someone who, um, because of his commitment to Christ and the kinds of things that you read about in Isaiah and what Jake just talked about in terms of setting captives free, that that is um, the, the social justice element of the gospel and the individual salvation element of the gospel those, it's not an either or, it's a both and, and one is deeply connected to the other. And so here you have this passage about um, a society being renewed and yes. restored and rebuilt. Like this is not metaphorical for the people to whom Isaiah is writing. These are people that have actually been exiled, who have actually been oppressed, who oppressed, have actually been victims of injustice and economic degradation and and all kinds of real world stuff. Uh, not abstract, not metaphor, but the prophecy here is that they'll come back and be restored. And yet it's also about Jesus Christ and it's also about salvation that comes to us through him. And so, you know, in this season of Epiphany, it's always good to remember, 
you, you want to kind of hit this every sermon in the season to some extent. Like the word epiphany is revealing and every Sunday in epiphany is revealing who Jesus Christ yeah. is. Jesus is born on Christmas and we've been talking about that, but then it's about who is he and what does he come to do in the world? And here we see that he's come to vindicate a whole people, redeem a society, but also very much individually, personally for you and for your congregation, that you are not forsaken anymore. And so don't preach this if you preach this passage in such a way that it is only about um, the people of Israel and what God does in them, especially verse four, you shall no more be termed forsaken and your land shall no more be termed desolate because that was about a people and a nation when it was written. But it is about you personally today at the same time. And I think most people feel a bit forsaken and gosh, we're exhausted from this pandemic and we're exhausted from life and we're exhausted from parenting and we're exhausting from school remotely or school in person and working from home or not. And we're exhausted from aging parents that you're caring for, whatever the situation is. And everybody feels a little bit forsaken. Somebody told me recently they feel like God's always a little bit mad at them. And it can, it can sound like the gospel to your congregation to tell them, quote, God is not mad at you, unquote, which we know he's not because of what he's done in Jesus Christ. And this is what is said in this passage, verse 4, you shall no more be termed forsaken, your land shall no more be termed desolate, you shall be called my delight. Mm. That's And God delights in you, meaning he's not mad at you. So if you can take this language, which sounds a little churchy, a little religious, a little bible and put it in terms that maybe people kind of understand. So, you know, everybody kind of wants to be liked. They want to be loved. Am I okay? Do you like me? And we think about those in terms of people who we live with, people who we work with, our friends. Do you like me? Um, but uh, ultimately, at root, that's sort of a question to God. Uh, wh- how do I stand? And what this passage says is that God's delight is in you. And that's what I would talk. That's what was revealed in Epiphanies. God's delight is in you because Jesus Christ has come to save you. I've talked too much. Jake, anything you would add to that? No, but I do think that that's a, a, what you have said is very important and how your parishioner feeling forsaken because indeed uh, in the world around us, um, you know, God, I mean, and this is one of the points in Paulson's book, God is hidden and, uh, and it mm. appears like he's against you. Um, you know, by what you're seeing and experiencing. And um, and really, preacher, this is what why what you do is so darn important, because you are the one uh, th- God reveals himself and is no longer hidden, not through sight, but through words. And, uh, and right here, it couldn't get any more clearer of your standing and the promise you've been given in Jesus Christ. And uh, that promise is for you, but it's also for our community and uh, affects the way we go out and uh, treat people. So that's yeah. what I would say. And by the way, I would add to this verse five where it talks about as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your builder, i.e. God, marry you. <laughs> and as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Such a beautiful poetic image. And I think again, to this point of how does God feel about you? How does God regard you? Well, think about a wedding you went to where people actually really liked each other. I mm-hmm. mean, just we've all been to the weddings where people, you can tell like there's, eh, maybe it's not going to work out. Like a friend <laughs> of mine got married and, and she told me that she heard her brother say in the narthex of the church before the ceremony, turned to one of his groomsmen and said, well, nothing that can't be undone and then walked down the aisle. Like we've all been to those weddings, but we've also been to weddings where people really clearly show love to each other and just they can't take their eyes off each other and that's the kind of love um as you know jackie wilson your love keeps lifting me higher Mm -hmm. make that your song for 2022 preachers Mm -hmm. and make that 
theme of every sermon because mm. uh, you can, and if you need to get a little hyped up before you get in the pulpit just listen to that song that's your homework listen to your love keeps on lifting me higher then we move sung already twice and we've only been in this for like 10 minutes i'm sorry jake <laughs> you're killing it so nobody's listening anymore but anyway um <laughs> and then we uh, go to i mean then actually how this plays out uh amongst our neighbors and that's uh, where we begin to see first corinthians chapter 12 verses 1 through 11 what a, what a very powerful epistle, especially to kind of uh, uh, preach on Martin Luther King Day. Because, uh, you know, mm. it talks about kind of um, the role of the church for the sake of, for the sake of, uh, of our neighbor and uh, the gifts that God has given us. But I really love how this opens up. Um, first of all, uh, this uh, passage blows. Um, oftentimes, the 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is used, 1 Corinthians in general is used as this like, spiritual manual manual to create levels of Christians and, you know, Christians who pray in the spirit versus Christians who don't pray in the spirit and blah, 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 blah. And uh, Paul, first of all, uh, he puts uh, Christians in our place. He says, you know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. And, you know, and this is the, the truth is, is that um, all of us have been blind at one time in our lives. And, uh, and we're blind in lots of areas of our lives. And so, you know, this right here, Paul is telling these Corinthians first and foremost to have some compassion um, for people that um, maybe don't know what's going on. And then uh, he begins to talk about gifts, and, uh, but, um, but uh, gifts that all come from the same God. So once again, putting the church in a place of humility uh, uh, so that it can use those gifts uh, for for the sake of their neighbor, activated by the Spirit. Yeah, and if you want to mention it, this Sunday would be one that you could begin a little sermon series on Corinthians because you're going to be reading, I think, for the next seven weeks. Uh, there's one Hebrews lesson thrown in there, but you're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 15 for a while here. And if you wanted to, you could sort of set up what was Corinth like, what was Paul's ministry there like, Basically, Corinth was this very cosmopolitan, very wealthy city, a big tr- city of merchants and traders, and a very pagan city, a very Gentile city, uh, very cosmopolitan, and uh, and because of that, yeah, these are these are mostly people that were not Jew as Jew- Jewish folks who converted to Christianity, but these were pagans, these were Gentiles who converted, and so Paul is um, talking to folks who are very worldly, very sophisticated, and likely many of whom were wealthy and and also kind of flashy, um, and. Uh, Corinth was sort of a new city that was built from the ground up. It had been destroyed and empty for like three centuries, and then it got sort of re-upped. And uh, so it's not a place where people can be like in New England, like go back 16 generations. This is this is like Houston where, you know, people have lived there for three, four generations maybe. Um, and so it's that, and, and these people have gotten really into spiritual gifts, and that's why he needs to address it. And they themselves have made it about who's better and who's on the who's higher on the ladder of spiritual achievement. So, again, that's kind of the background. If you want to do that, if you want to preach through Corinthians the next few weeks, you can. Uh, but the thing, one of the things I would say here, again, tying it back to Epiphany, like why are we doing these readings now? It's because we're getting the revelation. It's being revealed who Jesus is. And one of the things that is shown here is that Jesus is for everybody, even pagans. And um, that's, a re- that's a revelation. That is a mind-blowing thing for the people to whom Jesus came, because they did not see that coming. The other thing that's um, 
uh, revealed here is that it is the work of the Spirit to even confess Jesus as Lord. So even before you get into all these fancy, flashy spiritual gifts, the first and most important gift is even the ability to simply confess that Christ is Lord. And if you're in church on Sunday in 2022, that is a gift. And everybody in your congregation is about, at, right after you finish the sermon, if you're an Episcopal, Anglican, or any other liturgical church, right after you finish preaching and sit down, catch your breath, somebody, maybe you, listener, is going to stand up and say, now join it as we affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed or something similar to that. And you're all going to say, I believe that Jesus Christ uh, is the Lord. And that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so you might want to even connect those dots for your people and say, yeah, we're about to do this thing and know that it is not some rote thing we're just doing. It is actually a confession of faith. And as we, it, it's evidence of the Holy Spirit in, in our lives. And then to your point earlier, Jake, about MLK and how this affects society, as in verse 7, it says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? The common good. So this also has a spilling out into our neighbors kind of impact. These spiritual gifts are never for ourselves. Mm-hmm. They're to build up the church. Mm-hmm. And that's important to remember. Yeah. And uh, just if you're thinking about busting out the spiritual gifts scantron sheet, uh, leave that leave, yeah. leave that alone. So uh, um, <laughs> I have the gift of ushering. Those are always <laughs> just ways to get people here just to sign up for volunteer service. And you're just a desperate church planter or church but, leader who just yeah. wants people to be in the altar guild. You're much better off just saying, hey, do you want to be in the altar guild? Then doing the Scantron spiritual gifts inventory. If you don't know what we're talking about, praise God. But I remember in like some church circles, I mean, it would be talked about like as if like it was like the Myers-Briggs or something like that. You know, it's like, I'm an, I'm a, I'm a helper with a little bit of gift of prophecy. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. a, I'm, a dollop, a dollop yeah, of prophecy. I'm an usher, uh, I'm an usher slash, you know, uh, slash um, I have a gift of service or something. You know what I mean? You're just like, okay. And, and, for all the people who we just hurt your feelings, we know that those are coming from good intentions. <laughs> they were. We get it. So, but we let's uh, let's move on to the gospel, and uh, before we lose any more listeners, and yes. uh, by going to John chapter two <laughs> verses one through eleven, and gosh, there are just so many great jokes that could come out of this. Um, it's the wedding feast of Cana. Yep, where people are like totally plastered and jesus is like now we're gonna make the good wine yeah because they've run out the reason they ran out is because they were hitting it pretty hard uh yeah, there some keg stands i mean it was like the wedding i went to in mexico where every the guys were encouraged to form a conga line and dance go by the dj's booth at which point the dj was just pouring jack daniels into their open mouths it was pretty amazing you know this is uh this is something to um to to take note of uh, Jewish weddings in those days were not like, um, you know, light affairs, like a two-hour reception afterwards. These suckers... We're not talking about Methodists here, people. <laughs> this went on for days. And uh, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, to um, and it's that's an important note. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Uh, what uh, John is doing there is one... Um, I mean, this is a glimpse and a foreshadow of what's to come. And on the third day, also, uh, when we rise... What else happens on the third day, Jake? Well, where there's the resurrection of the dead, and then there's a, going to be a great... Which is a sign of the great wedding feast that is to come, uh, where nothing will ever run out. Uh, but it will be a permanent party where we will all be glorifying the Lord. But uh, there they are, and they have uh, thrown uh, a great party, and they have run out of wine. They've run out of wine completely, which would have been totally, totally embarrassing. And, uh, and uh, Jesus, who is not only our Lord and Savior, but an all-around wonderful entertainer, 
uh, comes, <laughs> comes weddings, the, bar mitzvahs, comes, quinceaneras comes to the rescue. And I love, um, I love uh, what happens here with Mary. You know, and she's like, she gets the servants, and I just picture like a wonderful Jewish mother, and she's like, "Get my son, get my son," you know. And she's like, "They have no wine, Jesus." And uh, Jesus, he's like, "What does this? What concern is that to you and to it's me?" Like, ah, ma. Now, I mean, my hour has not yet come. The point being, um, this being the third day, uh, this isn't, um, you know, this this isn't where the ultimate redemption is going to take place. Uh, Mary is thinking about um, redemption little r, uh, and but Jesus always has in mind a redemption big r. Yeah. And so what is being revealed here in this epiphany season in this reading, as, as Jake said, Jesus could not be more different from the dour, sour-faced, joy-killing, puritanical reputation that Christians may have. Uh, and also is revealed um, is his power. Mm. Uh, and that he uses his power in something that we human beings might think is trivial uh and he he uses it to refill the seven layer dip i mean it's it's a it's a party and he makes sure the party can keep going it's a very human kind of temporal sort of concern um so there's that there there's it's also significant that these are jars used for ritual purification they're jars there there were other containers around jesus could have snapped his finger and caused all the goblets in the party to immediately refill or something like that but he chooses these jars that are used for you know making god happy by following the wall rules about washing yeah and it it's it's like i don't i mean think about trying to think of you know, taking something that we think is sort of like a, a a holy roller sort of thing and um you know and turning it into something for rager uh it's it's in it's, it's a fascinating in, insight into the oh. heart of god that god's heart is as we saw in isaiah where we saw a wedding and god loves you with the gaga eyes like a bride and a groom stare at each other at a wedding so we saw that wedding feast this is the love of god and here's the love of god for his people pouring out and making sure this wine can continue to, to flow. And that and there's an indication, again, a foreshadowing, as Jake said, uh, of the resurrection, of the crucifixion and resurrection, of the passion of Christ, where Jesus takes that wine and said, this is my blood, and this is given for you for the forgiveness of sins. Here he takes jars that are used for ritual religious washing with water and turns them into wine. It's not just any water he turns into wine. It's the, it's the religious water he turns into wine. And it's wine that's used for a party. And so there's, and as it says at the end of the thing, he reveals his glory. Mm. And, and and this is the revelation. This is the epiphany, the revealing, the aha. His glory is in making really great wine at a wedding um, for the people of God. So there's and, a lot there to unpack. And really, yeah, what do you want to say? Well, Dave? I mean, and, and, and really the powerful miracle that takes place here, um, there is the turning of the water into wine, but there's the even greater miracle, and that is the disciples believed in him. And uh, when anybody, as we go back, no one can say Jesus is Lord unless the Spirit gives them utterance. And around this wine, in this wedding feast, uh, the Spirit is present and is operating and working on the hearts of the disciples that they might begin to see and believe in Him. Um, There's a great, great story, um, preachers, if you want to use this as your opening illustration. 
Um, but it's um, <clears throat> so this uh, this uh, new uh, pastor goes out to uh, like you know North Dakota or Minnesota, some small little Lutheran church out there, you know, and uh, it's run by basically the church is filled with Lutheran pietists. And so Norwegians thick on the ground. Yep, no uh, no wine but grape juice, and and that Sunday he comes and he's like, this is ridiculous. We're serving wine, and so he serves wine that Sunday. And uh, and anyway, the church just freaks out, and word goes out to all of the town that the new pastor is serving wine in church, and uh, you know so much so that they call a church meeting, and only the pietists who come to church on Christmas and Easter they all even show up too. And so anyway, the pastor does all of his homework, and you know he's like the Greek word here is oinos. Jesus drank wine, and he makes his presentation, and he's like, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus drank oinos, fermented juice. Jesus drank wine. And this German pietist woman, she stands up and she says, yeah, and that is one of the things we don't like about Jesus. <laughs> so Only do that if you can do a good German accent. But uh, there it. is, uh, I will be doing it that Sunday. But anyway, um, Excellent. Um, there is... Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of things we don't like about Jesus, and uh, one of the things we don't like is that he has come to be our Lord, and uh, when he's come to be our Lord, he's come to be our friend, and in his friendship, he sets us free. And, mm. uh, and that is why uh, this Jesus does not fit the pietistic mindset, uh, because he will, not be, um, uh, he will not be revealed in the law, um, but rather he'll be revealed in his Son and um, as your friend and uh, the one who fills up your glass so that you might enjoy your life and enjoy your forgiveness. <laughs> Amen. So on the second Sunday after the Epiphany, as Jesus is revealed to us as the one who delights in you, uh, the one who by the Spirit you confess as Lord, and gives the one gifts. who gives you gifts, spiritual gifts, as well as oinos, uh -huh. uh, and, uh, and wants to fill your cup with joy in 2022, and ultimately at the the wedding feast at the end of the age. Uh, so help your people see that, help them know that they are loved, and preacher, wherever you are, know that you also are loved and that the Lord delights in you. And thank you for spending 25 minutes of your life listening to us blather on about these texts. We hope you found something to help you preach. Go to ember.com, sign up for any one of the three Mockingbird conferences coming up in 2022. We hope to see you in person. And until then, just try to be more like Jake. Amen. Somebody's looking, somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production, and remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll. 